Please welcome our next guest, who has accumulated 32 caps for Scotland, won the St. Rule in St. Andrews twice in 2010 and 2012. In that same year of 2012, she was crowned the Scottish Match Play Champion and won the Scottish Order of Merit. She has since turned professional and in 2014 and 15, won the Ladies Tartan Tour Order of Merit. She followed this up with wins in 2016 at the ING Golf Week Champions in Holland and Elsie Farm Ladies Open in Sweden. More recently in 2019, she was back in the winner's circle, winning the Rugenwalder Ladies Open. She's also joined with Kiel, and Kiel is involved in the education task force for the PGA and coaches at Kippy Lodge. Please welcome Lauren Kiel. Hi, how are you doing? What have you guys been up to uh, during the lockdown? Uh, we've been keeping fairly busy, like in terms of golf, I've been able to do some practice in the garden, like some short game. Um, we've fortunately got a communal grass bit out the back. Um, so when I hit some balls into the net there and then I've been putting about in the flat, there's some yeah, pretty extreme breaks in the carpet on this flat. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so I've been doing that and then, yeah, really that's about it, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. Go walking, perfecting bacon, baking my own bread. Yeah, nice. you've, become, <laughs> you've become a baker since, yeah. since lockdown. So. <laughs> Is it the uh, sourdough bread that you're making? or? Uh, no, no yeast like gen like normal nice. baker's yeast bread, I know. <laughs> yeah, Paul Hollywood watch it's it. It's all rock and roll. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you were saying that you've been hitting oh. balls into a net and stuff. Like, have you have you seen some of the ones that we've been getting on social media? Is yours a bit safer than some of the, some of the bed <laughs> sheets? Is definitely safer than Cameron Zenelos. I don't know if you've witnessed that. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but I mean, I've just I've just been hitting into bed sheets. I just put them up, but I've got a big enough space that even if I miss the bed sheet, which has happened because the wind blew up. Um, it just hits the bushes behind, so it's fine. But yeah, yeah. Some on, of them. on that note, though, who would have ever thought that if you hang a sheet over a wall and smash a golf ball at it, that it wouldn't come back? <laughs> a, a, dri <laughs> a driver. Let's hit a driver. <laughs> yeah. Poor Zeno. Zeno's been getting it thick from us on this podcast about his, <laughs> his driving net. Brilliant. Just a little disclaimer here. Uh, I've been in talks with Zeno and he's agreed to come on. So we're going to give him a ch full chance to kind of sit down and talk about it and explain his, uh, his actions. Um, so are you looking forward to the courses to open them back up? Yeah, can't wait. Get some, get some steps in and actually see how the golf ball flies. Kind of forgotten what that feels like. Yeah. Um, so yeah, can't wait. We'll get a couple of games together. Like, initially and see what's going on golf-wise and yeah yeah should we get uh, i'll get back to doing one-to-one -one coaching as of friday hopefully um i think that was announced today so yeah some sort of form of normality but um there'll be baby steps and uh no doubt restrictions will make things a bit difficult when it comes to you know everyone getting out in the golf course everyone playing and even being able to practice so i think there'll be an initial rush but hopefully everyone gets their golf filled quick enough and we can all sort of Settle down into a routine. Be good. Have you um have you managed to maintain some kind of coaching remotely while you've been at home or just uh, with a select few pupils? Um, obviously, coach Laura, so we can do things. You know, take mm -hmm. videos and stuff in the back garden here and there. My little sister, who's also a national champion, she's been sending me plenty of videos through. So have a look at what she's up to, and a couple of other juniors that are you know low low players. So yeah, it's. To be honest, 95% or 99% of the golf community 
don't really need to be getting online golf lessons. <laughs> I shouldn't really say that, but um, you know, it's about seeing a golf ball fly. So once they get back to playing, you know, there's plenty of coaches and good coaches out there that they'll be able to go and get advice from. There's certainly a lot of titles in the in either your household or the extended family's household, isn't there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there are a few. We can both just doing well. Yeah, certainly, the female side of my uh, family did pretty well at golf. <laughs> I wouldn't count that out, Keel. You've got a few uh, a few wins under your belt. Um, so obviously, Keel, you're Laura's coach. I mean, what's your been your proudest moment to share with her to date as a student? Going through the years, it's been uh, really interesting and quite pleasing to you know see gradual progression obviously the highs of 2012 winning St Rule and the the um, national championship was great and then every sort of step that Laura takes that I've been there it's you know it fills me with pride every time she does well and you know golf's not a straight route to the top there's there's some pretty hard times in there too and um, even with the hard times I wouldn't swap it you know it's, it's, it's a fantastic opportunity it's a great opportunity for me as a coach to work with someone that's at the very top of the game you know so few coaches get that chance so um, yeah gaining a full tour card in 2015 was a real buzz uh, but then obviously a couple of, sort of slim years in between and then last year was obviously you know after we found something in May a big big plus you know going into every tournament feeling like Laura could win it's, it's a good feeling um, so yeah, it's not. There's not one highlight. Is is the answer there? I'm afraid. Yeah, no, but appreciate that. You know, it's 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 that continuous journey, isn't it? It's never yeah. really kind of. I'm sure, probably looking back in years to come, there'll be at one moment. You know, but at the, at the present, everything's kind of moving forward. So it's you're probably right. There'll probably be better times to come. You know, and there always seems to be that around the corner. Absolutely, that's that's the hope and, and the, the aim is to to continuous progress you know that's with everyone you know even even a, an amateur club golfer what they're looking for is to just do that get better continuously you know strive for, mm -hmm. for something better so yeah try not to we have a rule that when Laura has success that she has 24 hours that she can celebrate and after those 24 hours I make her forget about it and think about the next thing so <clears throat> we try try not to look back <laughs> I kind of want to know how the celebrations go down and what they yeah. involve <laughs> well, um, if I'm if I'm coming home, you know, um, then you know maybe there'll be a bottle of wine in the fridge, and mm -hmm. a Panda Valley, the Chinese down the road, and uh, ordered <laughs> on the table, you know that kind of it's thing. It's simple <laughs> things in life, isn't it? It's <laughs> it is. yeah. so, uh, a little plug for Panda Valley to try and get some. <laughs> <laughs> well worth it. Well worth it's so good. Yeah. When uh, when Laura first got a tour card in 2015, though, it's been a long a long week and uh, we had a few drinks afterwards and we were in Morocco and uh, Laura had a bit of a panic moment at about 2.30 in the morning because I was in some random nightclub with all the caddies getting absolutely hammered yeah. and she was in her bed sleeping. <laughs> our flight was that we had to leave at like six o'clock in the morning to go to the airport and I'm like I don't even know where he is he's not here uh, and <laughs> he's not making it home in time well because it's it's also usually the 21st of December is the day that you fly home from Cusco. So, um, you know, you need to be home in time for Christmas, and you know, yeah. it was a bit panicky. So I do the celebrating. Laura just con concentrates on golf. <laughs> fair play, Kale. Fair play. Play your strengths. Play your strengths, Kale. <laughs> so, Laura, um, 
what what advice would you give any young uh, golfers up and coming if they're you know if they're looking to turn professional what do you think would be good advice to give them well the the I would say that when you're looking to turn pro, you know, you want to, you want to pop, you want to put yourself out there in as many events as possible. So I was thinking back to my first couple of years on tour and I just played in everything I could um, you know, where financially possible. Um, but because the more you put yourself out there against other pros, you know, who maybe have been doing this for a few years, you know, more than yourself, then, um, then the more you get used to seeing that, you know you actually hit the ball as good as they do there's no difference between your game and theirs it's just that they've been doing it longer um, and i think yeah the more you tee up against the players that you consider yourself better than yourself then uh then yeah like the more the more familiar it becomes and you learn how to deal with the pressure better and mm-hmm. so yeah just enter everything possible um there was a run last year um, we found on the LE2 Access schedule, we had 10 events in a row. And there were, there were only myself and one other girl, my friend Rachel Goodall, who entered and played all those 10 events in a row in the summer. And everyone thought we were crazy. But, you know, it's a different country every week and we do all our own organizing and stuff, so it's a bit hectic. But we found something technique-wise in that fifth week and since then, I think I had seven top tens in the next ten events. Like, and you just end up getting into a rhythm. Like, it it, it just becomes groundhog day. You know, you wake up, you're in tournament, you're ready, and I guess the familiarity means that you're more comfortable every time you tee up. So yeah. It's funny though, you know, you you find that with a lot of different sports, it's the same as playing football to a certain extent. You know, it's a case of being match fit. You know, and if you're not <clears throat> if you're not playing matches week in week out you tend to suffer you know and it, it's probably the same sort of thing applies to golf or if you're playing week in week out and I mean you're probably right with regards to the amateur circuit because I'm sure there would have been a lot more events as an amateur as well you know to play in you probably you know I, I know some of the events that ladies can play in and around the area and if you look at the amateur circuit you know, to, to then step up and then if you're only allowed to play in a certain, or if you can only get to play in a certain amount of events, it's hard to kind of deliver the goods bang on kind of th- that week, if you know what I mean. So Yeah, even if, even if it means playing on the smaller feeder tours, I mean, I know there's a couple of tours down in England that are starting up and, you know, just something to get your hand in, get a scorecard on your hand and playing against girls that can bring you on. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, it's just, it's just all about the familiarity. Because... I, I often find when, when I come home from tournaments, you know, if we have a couple of weeks off, um, it's great, you know, you're there, you're buzzing from the tournament, you come home and really you're, you're just thinking about the next event. You know, you just want to be back out there and I'm all for scheduling and making sure that, you know, you don't get injured and stuff. But if, if, you're, if you're healthy and your, your body's able to do it, then just play in everything. Obviously, as a physio, you know, I meant to kind of advise, you know. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but, Obviously, you know, mean, if you, yeah, if you, have, uh, if you have a physio, you know, you can do a lot of mobility work when you're away, as, as I do. You know, I bring my foam roller and stuff, and it gets well used in those weeks. But, um, yeah, I mean, but, I think, but you end up becoming sensible about it. You know, you know not to go out and play 18 holes every day, practice rounds and stuff, you know, you, you, you learn how to make it quality over quantity. I think that's the beauty of the sport, you know, even as physios, you know, we kind of advise 
it's whatever works for you. Do you know? And if that's what works for you, then do it. Do you know? And we would never kind of tell somebody, you know, if, if something was working, you would never tell them not to do it. You know, if it was that, if it was the case. But, um, but yeah. So I have a more interesting question here, and one that might cause a bit of a rift here. But I'm quite interested to hear this question. Um, Keel, you've obviously been coaching Laura for many years. I know from my own experience that golf can create some quiet moments and car journeys. How do you manage the separation from golf to normal life? Um, I like to very much have a split personality. <laughs> one when I'm at work, <laughs> seriously, one when I'm at work and then one when I'm at home. Um, mm -hmm. I, quite, I quite like uh, getting away. You know, I tend to, when I'm at home, go to working man's pubs, just sit and speak to my own mates. I'm not talking golf. You know, yeah. my idea of a relaxing day is go down to Pataudry and have a few pints and, and chat with my mates, you know. Um, and it's the same when it comes to Laura, because we could just sit here and talk golf all night. But as soon as I, you know, as soon as the, the golf t-shirt's off and I'm in an Adidas t-shirt or something, I'm, I'm forgetting about golf and just, you know. It's more, it's more difficult for Laura because it's her her life is to play golf for me i'm i'm trying to make people better at the game so i'm quite good at cut and dry it yeah. yeah even um like the amount of times i've had a swing video and i'm sitting there thinking right you know should should i ask him about <laughs> you know so i'll be like you know you're sitting on the sofa and i'm you know i'm like what do you think about this bit here you know this move that i'm making here and um and he'll just say right we'll look at it tomorrow with kitty because it, yeah. it's good that way, you know, it just means that we keep the golf over, over at Kippy and then when we come home, we just don't talk about it. We honestly don't. You, just, uh, you need to get a system. You just need to work out which colour of T-shirt he's got on that day. <laughs> it's a, yeah. If it's a Don's T-shirt, you just wait until Kippy. <laughs> yeah. uh, too true. But it has to be that way. I think, you know, if you ask an engineer, you know, do you go home and bore your wife about what you've been doing offshore when well, some probably do but their, their marriages probably don't last too long <laughs> you know you just got to sort of have a home life and have a work life and that's yeah, it definitely yeah right david we've got a different nine hole challenge this week i mean it's the same format but we've got two guests <clears throat> so this week we're going to go alternating shots on the holes so we're going to start off today with keel what is your favourite par five in the northeast? I really enjoy moving the ball around. So the seventeenth at Hazel Head. Anywhere where you can stand up and just hit a massive pool hook and end up miles down the fairway is good in my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> you have to be able to do it when you're asked. Oh to yeah, do it. that's the thing. That's <laughs> the the seventeenth at Hazel Head. I've I would probably agree with you there Keel you know you can aim about 50 yards right of the fairway and just hit this big pull hook I would completely agree with you yeah it's you a lovely hole though the way it kind of the way it, it kind of feeds down into the green you know I think it's a lovely hole yeah I, I personally believe that the hole of his like number one is the best parkland course in the northeast I absolutely love it I mean you know you can go through the fact that it's council run and things it could be better but as a layout goes, it's unbelievable. Really Some great is. holes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, I would agree with that 17th hole, though, that um, you, know, you really can spray it around a bit. I mean, I've played it probably about 12 different ways. <laughs> um, every time I'm obviously trying to go straight down the middle, but 
Like, get my money's worth. We've actually, uh, well, I, I've actually not played Hazelhead at all, but since the lockdown, it's not that far from us, so we've been walking mm. around it, you know. Um, I'm just taking a look at it, and we're thinking when lockdown gets lifted, maybe we'll go around there and I'll witness this 30-yard pool hook or something, <laughs> whatever it is. <laughs> I'm going to walk with your yardage book. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, I'm going to give you a birdie, because... I like that Hazelhead course as well. And, you know, that 17th hole, like you say, it is one of these holes where you can pretty much play it anyway and you're still still in with a chance of getting something, aren't you? So yeah. that's a birdie. You're off that flyer. That's one under. Good. Thank you. <laughs> so next up is Laura. What is your best and your worst golf shot? Okay. Um, you know, it's funny. I actually I don't have many memories of bad golf shots. and. I've, I, I guess I've repressed them somewhere uh, in the back of my mind, <laughs> and they'll probably come out in therapy one day, you know. <laughs> um, it's, it's funny though, a lot of good players tend to say that, they can't remember that many bad shots. Yeah, but I had one um, in particular last year, it was just because it was only last year. I was playing in Montauban in France, that's how you say it, Montauban, on the LET Access Tour, and it was the first round. And I was playing this uh, this par four, the first hole, and I'm I'm grouped with this uh, little amateur girl. It's her first event, right? And and also one of my good pals. So it's a dog leg round to the left, and I've, there's so much space left. So naturally, and there's out of bounds all the way down the right. So naturally, straight left off the tee. Heaps of room up there, no problem. And I have like a nine iron in my hand, you know, <laughs> and it's a fairly straightforward shot nothing to look at really just into the green and full-on shanked it like proper <sighs> over my playing partner's caddy's head like into the bushes out of bounds great you um, know i love a good shank laura <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah i mean it wasn't just like a totally 10 yard shank it, it, it advanced like probably 60 or 70 yards forward and 100 yards right um, <laughs> and then so i'm like right okay so uh, I have to obviously, you know, I play the provisional and it turns out, anyway, my, provision, my provisional, I'm using quotation marks here because it was clearly out of bounds. Um, and I actually pull hook the next one straight over the green and there's also out of bounds over the back of the green as well. <laughs> but, uh, but it turned out that the amateur girl's mum was over the back of the green and it was like in a bush, a foot in bounds and I made up and down for double. So after the whole shank scenario, yeah, that was pretty bad. And the worst thing so was- So was that the bad shot and the great shot in the same No, I, No, no, I just mean like, I, I mean, I got myself, sometimes you just gotta make double and get out of there. You know, like something. <laughs> um, or, or in Darren and I's case, make, make quad and get out of there. Yeah, compound <laughs> yeah. your error, just make it worse. <laughs> And like in the poor, the poor wee amateur girl, you know, I was chatting to her off the tee and we're walking down the fairway, you know, and she was like saying how nervous she was and stuff. I was like, don't worry, oh, this, yeah, this is my, my sixth year on tour and, you know, oh, you'll be fine. And I full on shanked it on the first hole. Oh, that was terrible. You just did that to settle her nerves, I'm sure. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Okay, and then my best shot, I guess. Uh, so I was playing in the World Amateur Championships in 2012 in Turkey and I'd had a good year like my 2012 season was decent 
Um, so I, that was, it was before that tournament we decided that I was going to turn pro. And, um, but, you know, we're out in Turkey, we're playing for Scotland and the World Amateur and like Lydia Cole was there, you know, <laughs> um, and just the whole thing got to me a bit and I wasn't playing very well. And, but it came to the last hole and I don't know, I was probably five or six over or something. And I was the last person out of our team and it was a par three, so like my teammates around the green and um, there's also just heaps of other folk around about the green with different nationalities and stuff. And it was 185 yards, right? And I'd, I'd just been hitting it sideways all day, so I wasn't really feeling it. But I hit this four iron and I absolutely piped it down the pin and I stuck it to like a foot. And I was just absolutely delighted because I stood on the tee and I was like, well, that's the last shot of my amateur career. And then I was like, now I can go off to Q school and I've even got goosebumps speaking about it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was just really cool. And you know, when you're walking up and you're like, oh, please let it be a foot away because it looks close from here and it actually was, it was just a tapping. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. I'm going to give you a birdie because of the fact that you, you had the old El Hosel in there. Great start, guys. Off at two under. Cool. Thank you. Thanks. Question, question three. We're looking for a joint answer. So I want you to confer, right? What is your favorite major moment? Um, so for yeah. us in 2005, was it? Yeah, we should know. 2005? Yeah. 2005, yeah. we had, that was the year we started going out. Be, yeah. Yes, so we're all, so it's a, yeah, so we're a new couple, you know, um, everything's fresh. And then, so we went down to St Andrews uh, to watch the Open, and <laughs> and, uh, and it so happened to be that it was Jack Nicholas's last Open Championship. Okay. Yeah, um, and Nicholas was playing with Watson and Luke Donald on the last, and uh, if I remember right, well, obviously, the whole place was full of people. You could barely get, get close to the 18th. But we'd, we'd sort of known he was coming for a while. So got pretty near the fence. And I think uh, Donald hit first and he hit a pretty short drive, surprisingly enough. And Watson and Nicholas hit beyond both of them. And then playing in, Nicholas hits it in closest. And I'll, you know, from there, he rolls it in for a birdie for his last ever shot in the Open Championship. And you could feel sort of electricity in the air, you know, the, the goosebumps and the hairs of back of your neck. There were people crying, you know, it was uh, an unbelievable moment. So, yeah, I think that's that key. Yeah, there was actually, a, I remember there was a fence post, which is, I think, is around the original putting green, like not the one they used for the championship. And I remember you saying, climb up on the fence, climb up on the fence, you know, and there, there's some little kids in front of me. So I was like, yeah, I'll just go for it too. And I'd like climbed up on top of the fence and I'm looking and you're like, can you see anything? I'm like, yeah, I can see it. And he was just stood on the bridge for ages waving, remember? Yeah. Like it felt like it went on for about 15 minutes. And people just, the atmosphere was unbelievable, wasn't it? Yeah, it was unreal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Darn, that has to be a birdie. That's a great answer, isn't it? That's a, yeah. that's a birdie. That's a birdie as well. Yeah. Yes. Oh, thanks. <laughs> so generous. Thanks. Absolutely. I think the fact that it wasn't your your classic kind of, you know, it's a major moment that I think all of us kind of it it echoed with all of us. You know, whenever you've seen Jack Nicholas walking across the bridge for the last time, and whenever you've seen that last putt roll in, it was absolutely you know to be there. I watched it on TV and would have loved to have yeah. been there. But for you guys, are lucky that you actually got to be there to witness it. Yeah, we were so lucky. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Oh, it was such a good day. Yeah. 
So moving on slightly different. So Laura, what is the funniest thing you've ever seen on the golf course? Um, okay, so the funniest thing I've ever seen on the golf course was my own uh, situation. I was playing in the Helsingborg Open in 2015 on the European Tour. And uh, I was coming up to the last hole. It's a par five. And um, I'd been in a little bit of trouble on my way up there. And I'd like hit it into this bunker that was, it was a long green side bunker that went up the side of the green. And I'd only got it into the front of this bunker. Um, and it had been like raining and stuff that day. Um, and, you know, just, I'm, I'm just building up, you know, the, the conditions so you can understand why. <coughs> Absolutely. Shock, you know? And the pin was tucked at the back of the green, right? Um, so it was like, I had like a 40 yard bunker shot, the one that everybody wants, basically. Um, and it was quite a well supported event, you know, there was a crowd around the green and stuff. And, and they had a little grandstand there, that was cool. And they even had a guy announcing your name over the speakers as you come onto the green. And both my playing partners have hit their shots onto the green. Um, so they've been announced on, but you know, I've yet to come on. So I have not been announced yet, you know. Uh, and then, so I'm getting ready for the shot. I was, yeah, I was feeling it, you know, I was pretty confident, I'd had a good week, you know, and, and I full on, Thin this shot out the bunker, right? And it was, it, it like before it all happened so quickly, and I kind of give a little fart squeak, but <laughs> out of the crowd, there's this guy, you know, from Happy Gilmore. There's the big guy that Shooter McGavin doesn't want to mess with, right? <laughs> there was Swedish version of Happy Gilmore creepy guy, right? And he's. <laughs> And I kid you not, it's heading straight for him. And he suddenly sticks his hand up in the air, right? He's like spades of hands he's got. Sticks it up in the air and my golf ball hits his hand and he drops it down onto the green to like within 10 foot of the hole. So I'm like, I'm looking at my Dad. playing partners and I'm like, I'm like, eh. Is that even allowed, or what's going on there? You know, like, like, what the, like, I turned around, and one of the caddies is doubled over, and she's piecing herself. Um, and yeah, we were just like, what on earth? And the crowd was silent. Like, <laughs> nobody, nobody knew what to do, you know? Because I'd, I'd have been going absolutely nuts if I was in the grandstand. I'd have been cheering <laughs> and everything. But the most important thing is, did you hold the putt? Because all I could think oh. about was all I could think about was this guy and I was like, I'm not gonna have to like thank him or give him so I like so going up and give him a glove. But you know, it's not gonna fit him, is it? You know, like that's not gonna like, you know. And 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 yeah, so but when I walked onto the green, I didn't get announced because obviously they're like, Well, she didn't really get there on her own merit, so I didn't get the announcement onto the green, you know. You still had the most memorable walk onto the green out of everyone though. I did, yeah. Really? They'll all be like, oh, did look you, at that time. But, you know, did you give them a high five whenever you got to the green? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No, I was like, thanks. <laughs> oh, I'm so I'm going to give you a birdie for that because of the fact that you actually, someone actually high-fived your ball onto the green. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> <laughs> it was so good. Oh, man. Never seen anything like it. And he was so I think tall, this, this guy. You know? I think this is one of the strongest starts we've seen. You're four under three, four. Ooh, thanks. 
Wow, there's Very a quadruple impressive. bogey coming up soon. No pressure. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> right. So, coaching question, Kiel. Uh, if you were to create the greatest golfer ever, which skills would you take from which pros to make them? That's a good one. There's <laughs> uh, um, a really easy answer to this, actually, but it, it's not very interesting. Tiger Woods, 2000? <laughs> the whole game? <laughs> the whole game, everything. <laughs> and there's not anyone else you want to incorporate in there? No, no, but, you know, there you go. I mean, Tiger Woods, 2000 has got the lot. Um, yeah, I mean, God. <laughs> It's crazy. You could go through, you know, what 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 you could have is is uh, is unbelievable. Yeah, Tiger was two thousand with with Seve's personality would make it interesting, wouldn't it? <laughs> that would be unique. That would be a very unique golfer. Yeah, I would agree with you. <laughs> you know, a guy who's you know so sure he's definitely going to win and just an absolute machine with a bit of flair. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I don't know. You, you know. There have been so many good golfers over the years. Where where do you start? You do you go all the way back to, you know, guys like Di Vincenzo his ball striking. You know, what a golf swing that guy had. Um, Mo Norman. I tell you what. That's right. What I I've, I've now just got it. I've, now that I've had a chance to think of this, a mixture of Mo Norman, Tiger Woods, and uh, and Ballesteros, and you've got it. You've got the perfect golfer. No Wait, one would touch. What? What part of Mo Norman's golf would you take? Would you take the iron play? Would you take the drive-in? Would you take? I would. You know, he he was really consistent off tee. It's got to be driving, right? Had, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, but he was. He also claimed never to miss hit an iron. So I mean, it's, <laughs> it's a tough one. Um, His confidence was unreal. Yeah, <laughs> it, you know some of what what he. Um, has to say does actually make sense it's it's just um with the uh, likes mo just sifting through it and picking out what's actually um what can be backed up by science um so yeah um i don't know if you you must have heard the story of mo norman playing in the u.s open with sam sneed and sneed sort of said to his caddy could you possibly tell mo's caddy that there's a ditch up there at such and such a distance um and Mo Norman leant over and said, I know about the ditch, but I'm going to bounce the ball over the, over the bridge and then proceeded to do it. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> that's incredible control of a golf ball. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. I'm going to give you a solid par for that one. Yes. <laughs> oh. par's, a, par's a good score. Yeah. Par's a good score. As long as you're not dropping shots, that's the main thing. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. That has happened. Just ask Paddy. so next up what is your most embarrassing moment on the the course laura okay so um this one goes back to i was playing an event in strasbourg in france on the latx sister and uh it was the first round and i'm on like the fourth hole or something yeah it was it was pretty early on and i'm like ooh. I might need to just go to the toilet here, you know, just because I'm well hydrated, not because of anything else, just I'm well hydrated, right? We'll say that. And so, and I don't, you know, for, for women, it's a bit difficult going on the golf course. You know, we need to like, there's a whole plan involved, right? We can't just go over to a tree. So uh, I spotted a little shed, like over to the left of the fairway. 
and I've hit my shot into the green and I said to my playing partners, right, I'm going to go over there, there's a toilet over there, so I'm going to nip over, yep, yeah, no bother. So I run over and it's actually not a shed, it's uh, like a greenkeeper's working shelter thing. So I'm like, right, okay, well, you know, and the trees are pretty sparse. So I'm like, well, I'm going to have to go because it's just, it's just going to put you off, let's be honest, you know. So um, there's a little, like, there's a little uh, grass verge and I'm looking down at, and you know, it's, it's, it's only like two or three feet down. And I'm like, well, I can just go down there. And it just looked like long grass and stuff, that's fine. Um, I was like, yeah, like no one will see me down there. So I start to kind of clamber my way down. And then uh, suddenly my right foot just decides to start disappearing into the ground. And it was actually rotten compost that I was making my way down into, right? <laughs> and then, uh so i'm like no no so i end up like knee deep my right knees like whole rotten compost in there and then uh so i have to like i'm like panicking so i like clamber back out uh up obviously didn't get to go to the toilet disaster and then so i clamber back up onto the fairway and i come out of the trees and yeah everything's just completely brown like awful so i take off my waterproofs and i'm like maybe my playing partners won't notice you know because like my waterproofs i had on were just a mess they were gone straight in the bin you know and then um the and i but i get up to the green and like my whole right shoe is just brown like there's no no detail to be seen on there at all you can't even see the laces on there you know it's like completely and the stank is unreal you know like it's just <laughs> you know so and then yeah so I go the whole round and it, like when I'm putting and you know I look down and all I see is brown shoe you know <laughs> it was so awkward, you know it was so embarrassing everyone being like oh what happened to your shoe you know and then I went into scoring afterwards in the in the scorer's hut and I'm signing my scorecard, you know, and there's an English girl, Kim, who's in the group, uh, like, behind me, and she's outside, like, signing her scorecard with her friends. And she said, from outside the office, she said, oh, my God, what is that smell? You know, and I'm, like, sitting there with my head down, and I was like, that's my shoe. That's my shoe. <laughs> uh, it's so bad. Yeah. And there were, like, brand new Echo shoes as well. Like, no good. No good. Of course. So, yeah, I'm going to give you a par for that, or not, I'm going to give you a birdie for that, Laura, actually, just because of the fact that uh, it's a better story of needing the toilet than what Paddy gave us, where Paddy made a double bogey or something like that. He had an absolute hemorrhage. So I'm going to give you a, I'm going to give you a solid birdie. Okay, awesome. Thanks. Um, so... This is kind of for both of you as well. I want an answer from you both. Um, you know, who did you uh, look up to growing up in regards to golf? Like, who was your heroes growing up? Um, mine was definitely my first uh, coach. It was a guy out in a bank called Innes Wright. Um, you would say that. Yeah, Innes was a pro at <laughs> bank for 40 years. He was a international player. Um, he did a, a golf show on Grampian TV. Um, and back then the RNA then stepped in because he was currently a, an amateur international said you're now going to have to be a golf professional so he sort of forced into it but he was a fantastic coach um, and a really inspirational guy he was more like my third granddad to be honest um, I spent loads of time with him uh, taught me to never play golf without a purpose so I never ever play golf without playing for something um, so yeah so we, we always had great times uh, playing 
Um, and he also coached his daughter, who's probably the, one of the least known golfers from Aberdeen, but has probably one of the best careers. Uh, Pamela Wright, she played Solheim Cup, I think, five times, was vice-captain twice, uh, was Rookie of the Year on the LPJ Tour. Um, I think she won the John Deere on the LPJ Tour as well. She, she made um, sort of three and a half million quid in the 80s on the LPJ Tour, but sadly, because of the profile of uh, women's golf here at the time, nobody really knows who she is, but she's sort of... Um, would be a class of superstar these days. Um, so yeah, that's he was my golfing inspiration and my real hero. Uh, the guys that I looked up to playing-wise, I absolutely was obsessed with Garcia. Uh, I had a total boy and man crush on him, you know. Um, but he's not much older than me, you know, a couple of years older than me, I think that's why. <laughs> you know, I could almost sort of relate to him, apart from throwing, and throwing, throwing his shoes and scraping greens and stuff, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Laura, what's it like living with a fangirl? <laughs> I actually actively encourage it because I got a signed shirt um, for a few for our 10-year anniversary. Nice. Um, By Sergio? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it says, to my friend Kiel, all the best, Sergio. <laughs> so now we're like, oh, he's your friend. <laughs> Spanish friend. Spanish friend. <laughs> Did you ask me, Miko? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Laura? Oh, very good. So, um, my hero actually, uh, I, yeah, I didn't actually watch a lot of golf when I was younger. I just played golf because I liked it, you know. Um, so, my hero, I was going to say, was also was Pamela Wright, because <laughs> um, yeah. because I was so I grew up playing golf at Afford. And um, my grandparents are from Aboyne. So when I was uh, 12, my granddad took me down to the practice area and he'd arranged with um, Innes and Jeanette that their daughter Pam would come along and watch me hit some balls, which was really cool. You know, I didn't really know who this woman was. And then when I met her, um, she, she was just, she was so, she was just so amazing, you know, and she was so encouraging and she, she turned around, you know, she asked me, like, how far do I hit my six iron or something? And I'd said I'd hit it 120 yards. And I just remember her saying, oh, my God, that's so impressive. I'm going to tell everyone on tour about you that you're coming. And that, to me, at that point, was just mind-blowing. You know, I was like, yeah. I remember going home to my parents and saying, oh, my gosh, she's going to tell everyone on tour about me, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and, yeah, so since then, yeah, she's... She's done so much, and we've had so much successful females come out of the Boyne Golf Club, and it has to be, yeah, I guess it has to be her her legacy and the momentum created from her, and also Julie Forbes, and, um, and, <laughs> and her mother, because her mother, Jeanette, she also won the British Women's Amateur Championship, like, numerous times, so they're a golfing family, um, yeah, and then we actually had coffee, Pam came back recently, she lives in Phoenix, Arizona now. She came back recently and we had a coffee in Kippy Lodge and I haven't seen her since I was 12 or 13. And even then, you know, she's retired and, you know, I'm a pro myself now, but I was still like, oh my God, it's Pam, right? <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, yeah, she was, she was my hero. That's just really funny that, like, you, that you picked that. Um, I'm going to give you a birdie. Um, they're both, both good answers, but I especially like the fact that you're both aligned. Like you're both both going with the Pamela right. Yes, in tune. I like it. So that's another birdie. Thanks.
Excellent. Well done, guys. So next question. Again, this might cause a little bit of a rift. Uh, Keel, you are obviously Laura's coach, caddy and fiance. Well, part-time caddy sometimes. Have you ever missed club Laura whilst playing, while she's been playing in the tournament? So the answer to that is no, which is well, kind of boring. Is it no? Is it no? Laura, go ahead. Well, not really miss clubs, but we have different ideas when it comes to short games. And I remember at Q school, my first year at Q school, it's like such a big deal, you know? And we, I just had this really straightforward chip. And I was like, oh, give me 58, because I trip everything with 58, pretty much. Um, and then and you were like, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling 52, you know? <laughs> Like you, you know? and I was like, no, no, 58, no, 52. I was like, right, fine then. So I hit the 52 and I put it like six, seven feet past, didn't make the bogey. And I remember, I was so angry. I remember being like, don't ever tell me what to do again. <laughs> <laughs> I've obviously blocked that out completely. Yeah. You know? Just, uh, <laughs> there was one time, other than like Miss Clubbing, <clears throat> we were at like 120 from the green and uh, we both were checking the. the the yardage book and um we were like oh yeah, yeah. so it's a yellow triangle or whatever and then got the club out laura hits the shot straight down the flag and it carries the green by about 40 yards and <laughs> stays in bounds by an inch and it wasn't a triangle it was a square so we got the so wrong mark in the yardage book <laughs> we both we both missed club there because that was a yeah that was yeah. a <laughs> I was just going to give you your 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 grade in there. I mean, Keel, I think you deserve a birdie because uh, I think anytime you're faced with a difficult decision like that, you know, you've you've obviously kind of blocked it out of your mind and you know, kind of moved onwards and upwards from it, which I think is fantastic. So <laughs> I'm giving you a birdie for the sake of the relationship. He's blocked it out. That's yeah. great. Yeah. <laughs> it's in the past. Yeah. <laughs> Right, so we're on the ninth tee now. The leaders in the clubhouse are sweating with this score, David. All Give us a lowdown. So at the moment, you're leading by one. Oh, jeez. Right, so no stinkers here. <laughs> if you weren't golf professionals, what would you be doing for a living? To both of you. Well, your one key was obvious, I think. What do you think? Yeah, I don't know. I, I like golfing, uh, playing golf and eating and drinking, so I think I'd probably want to run a bistro or something, have my own little place, maybe start out as a chef and then sort of gone into running something myself. Yeah, you're, like you're so passionate about cooking. Yeah. yeah. I think I'm more Gino DeCampo than Gordon Ramsay, but you know. And I I actually don't really know, I, because I went, I went to university and I studied sport and exercise science. And I think when I went to uni, my goal to come out was to either be a PE teacher or get me some sort of degree that would be good enough to like join the police or something. So I I thought PE because that was my favorite subject at school and I nailed it. So I was like, I could just be the PE teacher that takes part in everything, you know, in all the classes. So that that was my thinking. Yeah. That's a common answer, Darren. Yeah, PE I'll, teacher. Yeah, Keynes was good. Laura's been pretty boring here with this one. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm going to grade them a par here. And the reason being, on this podcast, all PE teachers have a moustache. And... <laughs> hey, uh, yeah, maybe you can see on camera. Uh, yeah, H, HD camera. 
But no, yeah, um, I'll give you a par. So that's seven under through nine holes. That's pretty impressive. Nice one. Cheers, guys. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm delighted. Yeah. Got to maintain that when you get back on the course as well. Yeah, great. <laughs> is that co-leaders then, Darren, or is that outright lead? I think, I think that puts him at outright lead. Yes! <laughs> We're not competitive at all. Someone <laughs> at all. No. <laughs> So moving on to the next part of the interview, we're obviously going to give you the quick fire questions. And again, what we'll maybe do is, uh, obviously the first question will maybe get you to answer, Keelan, and then the second one, Laura, and we'll just take a turnabout from there. Um, so first up, Keel, would you rather shank it or miss a tap-in? Oh, miss a tap-in. Miss a tap-in. Yeah. Laura, um, buggy or walk 18 holes? Walk, definitely. Yeah. Keel, water or sports drink? Sports drink all day. Is is Coke Zero allowed? Is that on the <laughs> on the menu? No. <laughs> I'm a caffeine addict, so at least I'm in caffeine in a sports drink. <laughs> I'll allow Coke Zero. Okay. Uh, windy or still conditions? Windy, because I like to think I have the advantage. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> Keel, wooden tea or castle tea? Oh God, this, that is not even a question. It's wooden tea all day long. Uh, wooden tea or no tea? Jim <laughs> uh, or couch? I'll say Jim because I've, I've spent a little too much time on the couch recently. Um, but yeah, I do love a good gym session, pumping it out with the beats on. Yep. Nice. Keel, blade or cavity? Blade all day. Stinger or stratosphere ball? Stinger, definitely. Yes, yes. I love a little stinger hold off shot. I'm pretty good at those. Yes. Nice. Mm -hmm. nice. Yeah. Keel, fruit or energy bar? Uh, neither. <laughs> I would say Chocolate. energy bar. Mars? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So are we going for a Mars bar there or dairy milk or? Yeah, uh, Bourneville. I really do like Bourneville. <laughs> You know that one that no one buys anymore in Bourneville? They still stock it on the shelves, I don't know. Bourneville, the dark chocolate? Yeah, love it. Oh, I 100% send back you here. Beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> right, I, I want an answer from both of you here, right? White trousers or shorts? Shorts. shorts. <laughs> that was oh, easy. Unanimous. <laughs> yeah. Mostly, I mean, I don't own a pair of white trousers. No, me it's, neither. It's so difficult to get underwear to go with those. It's so. also it's also not nineteen seventy six, so why would I have a pair of white trousers? <laughs> <laughs> it's all another big golfing faux pas. I don't know what it is about people who play golf. But what makes them think that wearing a white belt and baby blue trousers is an acceptable way to leave your house? I, mean, I, actually, feel, I actually own a pair Hang of trousers. Hang on here. And, and I would wear a white belt with those. Have you been in David's wardrobe? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, God. Absolutely. I rock the blue trousers and white belt and shoot an 86. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Chipper Putkill. Yep, all day. Laura, lay up or all out? I think it depends on the situation. I know that's not oh, like what Don't be boring. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, go all out because chances are I'll get up and down for Birdie or a worse part. You know what I mean? Like, all out. Go for it. Yeah. Last question I want to answer from both of you is Tin Cup or Happy Gilmore? Tin Cup. 
figure for me. Oh, finish on the divide. Wait. I know that I'm not the only person to have said this. I actually haven't seen Tin Cup, but you quote it all the time because he has one too many Tin Cup moments on the course that I know roughly what storyline <laughs> is based on that. <laughs> Can we just go back to that? Keel, what Tin Cup moments have you had on the course? <laughs> there was so one at, uh, oh, sorry, Keel, I'll just interrupt in case you've repressed that memory. No. There, was, there was one at D-side. What's that whole, is it the ninth or something? I've you never actually that, played this side. It's that drivable par four over the water. Um, if the tee is a bit forward on the box, then it's like maybe 245, 250 carry over the water. Or you can hit like a six iron at the left and pitch on. I've, um, I've heard of the hole, but I've never actually played it. So uh, how many did Keel dump? Four, maybe. I mean, he had to ask me <laughs> golf balls, so uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I have been known. I only play golf competitively now, really in the Alliance. Um, I don't play in any of the Scottish DJ stuff anymore because I'm too busy in the summer. But in the winter, I have been known to rack up 15s and 16s because I'm pretty stubborn. <laughs> <laughs> like yes, Keel, yes. <laughs> no retreat, no surrender. That's the style. That's it. <laughs> oh, fantastic, guys. Well, listen, thanks very much for being a part of the podcast. And I uh, really appreciate you coming on. And Laura, giving us some insight into what it's like kind of being a professional and being on tour and also Keel kind of getting your experience from uh, from what it's like to kind of be a coach and um, also be involved at Kippy Lodge you know so uh, guys thanks very much really appreciate it well, thank you very much thanks very Thank much for having us. us on really appreciate it thanks. Yeah, bye. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks. Right, thanks speak to you soon cheers bye bye, bye. 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 bye.